Welcome to Mystics and Broomsticks Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. I don't know if you saw that we changed the name of our podcast from the spiritual boss to Mystics and Broomsticks. It just came about. Tanya and I had been looking for uh, just a different sort of vibe ever since Jen left. We felt like we needed to do a rebranding and then uh, Mystics and Broomsticks came to me one day and I was just like, I think this is it. And then we tried saying it out loud and we're like, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. Yeah, really stuck. So I want to introduce the listeners to you as how I've known you like since I met you, but you've done something really different and I don't know a lot about this world. So then I'll let you kind of take off and tell me what you're doing now. And and I know it still ties in with how I knew you, but for those of you who haven't yet met Tamara and a lot of you have, because she's been on here with her uh, sister as part of the wild sky sisters, extremely brilliant uh, astrologers. And so prior to getting on right now, Tamara just like went through her card file in her head and remembered my rising sign. (laughs) We're just chatting and it's so cool to talk to you because you just get so much feedback about yourself, especially if she's done a chart for you. You just, uh, you guys just continue to floor me over and over again with how quickly it comes. But how I know her is just being one of the most soothing voices that I've ever heard um, deliver me the most beautiful reading. And they were astrologers for the priestess path when we were online and the their presence, their knowledge, their information just goes so beyond anything I'd ever had before. And I'd had natal chart readings prior, but when I received them from you and Ange, it literally felt like someone was looking into my soul and giving me the medicine that I needed. Um, but then... <laughs> So my natal chart readings had always been kind of done from uh, this is what you're up against prior. And then Tamara and Ange came in with this whole different energy of like, you are this powerful woman. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to sit back and be powerful then. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of funny to watch how I shifted from someone who was like, I am not going to accept this from the sky. I will outwork you. I will like, I will win. And then when you're like, yeah, you're going to win. I was like, well, I'll just take that ride. (laughs) So it's been really cool to watch my relationship with it. And I want to thank you so much for being a crucial part of that and and an incredible uh, human being as well as astrologer, because you guys have helped me through some things behind the scenes that you just know how to support people. And then that leads kind of to where you are now. And I don't know a lot about this. All of a sudden, one day, she just announced that you were ordained. And I, I can't wait to hear about it. So Tamara, please tell the people who you are <laughs> through the lens of yourself and how you ended up from one end of the spectrum to the other. And that's life and death. So, <clears throat> yeah, thank you so much. It's such an honor to share this and every space with you that we get to. Um, the little Rolodex always going in my head about the the charts. It's like, I can't unsee things and remember them. And and I feel like you were one of the first people who really supported my posts about like, I think I posted about self-marriage and then also about the fact that I can, can run weddings and legally marry people. Um, 
And so I just love that kind of support. And I, I am definitely an astrologer. That has been a path and a journey for about the last 10 years, um, where it has like come into my life as a remembrance of something that Ange and I have done for, for lifetimes. But I would say that, and I had married someone long ago, before 10 years ago. So this is actually like my old life coming back into something that's a bit more structured. When I was a young teenage girl, I was so the biggest hopeless romantic. I would like send um, all of my friends who were in relationships on Valentine's Day, I would send them cards or things to do. Like I, I encouraged this love in every aspect of my life. I just was obsessed, to be honest. And then when I turned 30, there was also this element where like I sent people thank yous as for being a part of my life, being sacred mentors and leaders. And so I sent out a bunch of stuff for my 30th birthday. And so there was always this essence in me of like noticing elderhood or noticing um, love as the teacher, as the guide. I'm a Libra, Libra, Libra. Venus is my teacher. So it was like always that love was the guide. And once I started to go into the symbology of weddings and why we do things like one thing that always stuck with me is like we hold a bouquet of flowers because in ancient days we didn't wash very much we didn't bathe very much the flowers were literally there to make you smell better (laughs) to improve the look and and sensory experience of you going down the aisle and so like things like that always like stuck with me I just love those little pieces and so I ran a wedding for my grade 12 school assignment on the lawn of my high school and I married two of my friends and I brought in a lot of mythology around like why we have the the ceremony what does it mean and it like implanted that I am someone who likes structure around my love you know and it's also something that's very sacred to me for whatever reason Um, I think also like growing up our parents have a really beautiful love story they met and they kissed in a phone booth and my mom's nose tickled. And we grew up knowing like that was how you knew you met your person it was like, it was really, there was something about it. So there was just always such a special piece in my heart around like how to structure that love and how that became something more. Um, and then as I started to get older, I always had a very wide friend base. And every single time one of my friends got married, I was like the 27 dresses person. Like I was either asked to be a bridesmaid or to be a maid of honor or to be the MC, or finally a friend asked me to marry her and her partner. And this was like when I was about 26 or so, 20, 28, maybe. Um, and so in Manitoba to marry people, you just like send away and you get, you get the power to legally marry someone with like a $15 fee. This was, again, it was like 10 years ago, so it might not be that now, but it was so easy to do. So I thought, okay, sure, I'll do it. And sure enough, I I married them and I just thought it was like a natural uh, lead for how I was already holding space at weddings, which was making speeches and emceeing, like holding kind of the ceremony script together. And... I loved it. I loved being able to be out there. I knew both the bride and groom and just loved their love. So I was very, it was just like fun. And it was more casual when they got to the, the front, instead of it being like this really stuffy, like, you know, scary wedding, I was just like, okay, let's take a breath together. Let's laugh. And we made it more easy. 
And so then continued on, I had uh, another round of like a few weddings to be a part of. And then my friends asked me to marry them here in BC. And I, of course, jumped at the chance to do it and then started to look through the red tape. And I couldn't legally marry someone in BC without doing a full program to become ordained. And so I started to go down that path. What we, what we ended up doing is I married two of my friends, but we had an ordained minister come in and there's two lines in BC that you have to legally have them say. And so they had to come in and do that. So it was like these like tag team weddings, you know, where it was like swap. And then the, the, the human came in and um, said the official piece. And after that, it was like, I need to get, I need to get that official piece. And it's pretty hard in BC. You have to really search and it's pretty esoteric stuff to try to figure out how you become a person who can marry people without going through a church or some very like structured religious body. I almost randomly stumbled across the, um, now I'm going to get the full acronym wrong, but it's SIM, C-I-M-M, the Canadian Institute for Metaphysical Ministry, I believe it is. And they are a religious body, but it's the religion is spirituality and metaphysics and that we kind of accept all, all beings, all humans, regardless of their faith and, and are allowed to legally work with like the government body to recognize them as married people. And in order to go through the program, I had to go through a course in miracles. That was like our, our Bible, so to speak. Um, and at the same time, as I was going through a course in miracles, I had a mentor who was very, very close with, who is a total witch. She was a badass mystic. And she also was like the most sacred faith field human that I know. And she taught me a ton of the course in miracles lessons. One, uh, the one I remember the most was my safety lies in my defenselessness. And she would just say that to me all the time. And I didn't even really know it was Course in Miracles because we had talked about that a bit, but she just would have me repeat that. My safety lies in my defenselessness. And I just like, if you've ever studied A Course in Miracles, it yeah. bends your mind. Yes, like, it's I like, read it nightly. You have to like read it upside down, <laughs> and, right? Like it's yeah. like, this is not real. And you're like, but wait, what? This is real. Right? I read, I read one page a night. It's, and if I miss those nights, I find like, if you go to bed ruminating on the course of miracles, you don't feel insignificant anymore. There is just like, it makes you feel so expansive. The one that I just, uh, I'm, I'm just over half. Um, and it just spoke about the study of that we have subscribed to this idea of our littleness when our true essence is in magnitude. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like that is so real. We, we really are just out here looking for validation and verification of how small we are, how insignificant we are, how we don't matter when our real energy is this magnificent, abundant, yeah, such totally. a belief system. But yes, I love, it's a hard one. It's like the Bible, right? Like even mine feels like a Bible. The, mm -hmm. it's, my eyes are getting worse since I started it. <laughs> it triggers a lot of people too, because the languaging is so yes. biblical. Like it's God, yeah. Father, the God, the Holy Spirit, like all Atonement, of the same yeah. languaging. But I, I truly 
like recommend people like I'm not kidding read it upside down like yeah it it will change your whole life and I'm getting like so many And I think it, especially if you've had a uh, injured relationship with God yeah totally yeah. it's walking back home and it and it's pretty explicit that God is you you are you know it's it's it not is. the same in a lot of ways as what we experience in in, in many places so it was such a coming home and also like such a mind bedding to me that this aligned at the same time. And then my mentor, that mentor died. She left me. Well, oh, no way. her partner left me all of her Course in Miracles material. So like I have her notes, her handwritten notes, like, oh, it's just so special. And, but it was when she passed that I was like, there's also an element of death that is tied in with marriage and that when two people die, they have to basically, when two people get married, they, they have to die to who they were before. And this like started this whole piece for me where I was like, I want to bring in death ceremonies the night before the wedding where I meet with the bride and groom. We go through what traditionally you would go through, like to get things kind of ready and to be somewhat spiritually ready. But then we, usually meet, we do a meditation and we bury, I've asked them to bring objects that remind them of their single bachelor selves. Um, something that, you know, whatever it could be, it's so fascinating what people come up with. And then we bury those the night before the wedding. And we kind of have this like service for the death of who they are so that they can come into this union in a way that is brand new that is like really really new it's a new phase of life and to me it like helps to bring the sacred back into something that we've honestly made into like the wedding industry which is about like how good you look and how your instagram pictures you know come off on that day or like your ring is exactly (laughs) or like even like a lot of people just want that as like the traditional check in the the book of life. Okay. Yes. I've done the wedding thing. So people can see I'm successful. Right. But inside there's like all this like turmoil and there's so much around it. And without our elders or with people turning away from religious elders to help steward this process. I mean, many, I mean, it's like, what is the stat? One in two marriages end in divorce. We're we're losing the meaning to a lot of stuff. We really are. Yeah. And if we can bring that back in. So part of it is like to bring that back in and to also like there's a piece of that night before where we we call in the ancestors of both of them to be there with them while they're getting married and to make sure that this is something like this is a lineage joining that happens when two families unite. And often it will end up in kids. A lot of people I marry already have children from other marriages. So then it's like trying to bring the children in to unite this, this family and to see that like, this is so much more and to give it the, the sacred it deserves. Like, it's just so much bigger. And, and I say in every single ceremony that I have, I have a script that I use as like the guts of it. And then I like change it to be for the people. But the yeah. guts is always like when two people announce their love before witnesses, before their ancestors, before the world, this is the healing of the earth. This is revolution. You know, Mm -hmm. this to me is like, this is a revolutionary act to choose this. And 
And so it just became like this path that I followed and finally, you know, got like the piece of paper. It kind of hit home when it said like, you're reverend Tamara McClellan. I love it. (laughs) I don't, I, I, I have friends that are reverends, like who are, you know, incredible 65 year old people, you know? And for me, it's that I'm in reverence to love and that I get to be a channel for that with this work, with this line of work. (laughs) I love it. And how you're, you already knew as a child, it's, isn't it funny? Like we make these mockeries or, um, I remember I had an in calm class. I don't know what that stands for, but some kind of living class. Like it's basically like how to live (laughs) outside of your parents' home. And it's structured, like, what would you do for work? And I didn't even like fitness. <laughs> I never ran in gym, but you know what I put down? A fitness instructor. And then later on, it became I was a yoga teacher then that let that opened the door for all of this energy work and energy study. And I knew that at 16. Yes. Like we we really know if we pay attention, um, looking back, I wouldn't say like. I did a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> I did a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. That, that wasn't part of my later journey. But when you look back, you can see the signs. And I think that's the beauty about being able to self-reflect and and even practicing spirituality is you get to see all of the little synchronicities along the way, even being so fascinated with your parents' love stories. I'm sure there's many of us who don't even know how our parents met. Yeah. Totally, totally. And and it was like to be so interested in all of my friends' love lives, yeah. you know, to the point where like I would actually send things, encourage them. And I, I always had that like keen eye for seeing like who would match well with who. Yeah. And and so you think, yeah, how could I ever make that a profession? And sometimes we never know. I remember though when I graduated from like the Yoga Nidra program I did with the Amrit Institute, they gave us a certificate that said you are now an emissary of love. And from that point on, I was like, that's what I want to be. Whatever that is, I want to do that. And so our world is so hard to try to find ways to do that. But I feel like that's where like death doula, life celebrant, these are all ways to be an emissary of love during really pivotal times in someone's life. Mm -hmm. And being like a cheerleader and a supporter, that's that's the dream. (laughs) That's the dream. And I love like just walking the divine feminine path and looking at all the ways which we think are just tradition that actually have very sacred meaning. Um, the 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 uh, having a baby, you literally are losing a, another life to bring in life, but no one ever acknowledges the death of the mother prior. Um, I love that you're doing that with weddings as well, is that these two people are grieving. There is some aspect that they have to change, shift to be together and that you unite that as an honor that for them. I, I've actually never heard of anyone doing that. Is that, have you, had you ever heard of that before? You just were like, no, this is necessary. <laughs> I don't know where it even came from. You know, it probably came because like I, so the first couple of people that I married, like I've only married a couple of strangers. So most of the people I marry are people I know through some realm. But um, one of my 
my friends that I married, they were people I knew before apart, completely separate. And I knew them as single people, right? And I knew their stories. And I had been friends with one of them quite closely and knew her story of who she was and how love had felt for her before and that she was getting married a little later in life. And I do see so many more weddings now that is like, yeah, like uh, maybe even second marriages and that kind of thing where it's like people really know what they're coming for. It's no longer that marriage serves that place of need in our mm-hmm. society. Yes, it's way easier as a two-parent family. Heck yeah. But you know <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> you know, but it's not it's not the same as that anymore. So it's truly like the soul-based marriage. And I think a lot of us um women who were raised in the era of like fight for your individuality and independence and you can do anything to move into the position of wife feels challenging feels mm-hmm. like you're giving up some freedoms maybe that's just me but you know I really do think that that's like a, a common theme is that we struggle to surrender to wife and in a lot of religious institutions that's an archaic mindset of what that mm-hmm. means to surrender to your husband However, there is an element of the feminine that's meant to surround yes. masculine, yes. right? And but he's got to be masculine. Masculine. We're <laughs> yeah, he's got to be masculine. You don't just get that. Totally. Yeah. We're struggling with like the masculine having a space where they feel like they can step fully into that. We're struggling yeah. with of losing the masculine. And so we've like overcompensated by being hyper independent, exactly. stripping them of their container. And, and now, here and we the, are. then the masculine feels the same thing, like they need to constantly be going out to feed off that energy, perhaps. And so then they get freedom, freedom mindset, too. And so it can feel like a sacrifice to get married in today's world, right? Especially when it's like, anywhere you look, you can find someone else anywhere. Yeah. You can go on anything. There's so many ways to, to find someone else. So Like, I'm like, this is the biggest work we can do. And to commit fully, to fully commit to another, and then to both come into that relationship with our own higher power. Hey, we're not making the other person our higher power. We're not putting the power outside of ourselves. We're coming, we're both surrendering to, to God or whatever that our God is. It's the greatest spiritual teaching. It's the greatest teacher that we'll like take on. And so I'm like, why don't, why aren't we talking about this stuff? So I think I just, with my own friends, I was like, I know you guys have a lot that you have like done in your lives independently. They also had traveled a lot. That was the other piece about this couple is that they had gone all over the world separately. And I was like, and now you're choosing to let that part of you that used to want to just up and flee you're choosing wanderer. to let that part fly, die, yeah. <laughs> and maybe fly. <laughs> and fly, yeah. <laughs> and so we were like, what can we bury? So we buried stuff from like that independent life. And that was the thing that started it. I was like, oh my God, we need to like make space for this. And also I think like that's what bachelor and bachelorette parties often are. But instead of us taking the time to really honor what even those were, which was traditionally sort of a grief <laughs> moment of like, or a celebration moment of like, we're going to leave behind the individual, which often for, you know, in a lot of cultures, women left their families completely. They were like grieving, right. saying goodbye and never seeing their parents again, going to live with their, their husband's parents. So, I mean, there was a lot of grief 
and we had places for it somewhat, I guess, before, but now it's like, let's bring it into the, let's bring a container into it. And so I, I have never heard of that before. <laughs> but I, well, but I, it makes I me want to get married again, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> and so this, uh, do you remember in the Course of Miracles, as you were talking about entering into sacred union and choosing, do you remember inside the Course of Miracles? I just read it last night and I was like, no. Um, <laughs> you, they talked about special relationships. Yeah. That there are no, what do you think about that? What, yeah, how does that fit into this? On, on it, that there are no special relationships, but that every relationship is so, like, yes. will be our teacher. And I, I think that the Course in Miracles really is designed to bring us back, back, back to ourselves, to ourselves, to ourselves. And that when we other someone, often when we're mm. in positions where we think that the person will save us, there are so many, I, this has always bugged me my whole life where I'm like, and, and yet I am a totally a part uh, in this. I'm complicit in this is that like, when I find that person, that special relationship, that's going to solve all my, my loneliness, all my voids that I have inside of myself, that's going to be like the thing to fill the, the thing. And I think ultimately it's like a return to love within that there is no one no marriage no partnership no soulmate no twin flame like I'm not even crazy about that terminology. no I know no, me too no like karmic other that like this yeah. is why it's so hard you know it's like none of that actually is you know what what can bring us back into that that special relationship is like the relationship with self yeah. If there's one thing I would say, uh, as I, I'm getting older and um, sort of learning to be more accountable to how I feel as not entirely true, um, but in my relationship with my partner, we've both undone a lot of programming together. And prior to our relationship, and I would say we were both very broken people coming into relationship and that it showed up a lot in our first three years. And uh, prior to that relationship, everyone would tell me because I was having a hard time, you know, um, I was not loving myself and I was attracting people who could not love me in order to fully support my belief. But people would tell me that I I couldn't be with someone right now. I needed to learn to love myself. And while I, some would agree I also think that a significant part of our work happens when we really do the work with someone else. When we sit in our discomfort and say, here's what this is bringing up for me. I know this makes no sense. It makes me seem like a crazy person and it happened 10 years ago and you weren't even a part of it, but this is the feeling that this is taking me back to. And they give you the space to be seen in that and vice versa. That's been some of the most healing stuff for me because before I would just go wild inside with all this emotion and no way of sorting through it or sifting through it because I was never allowed to have that. Like the only emotion that I ever felt safe in expressing was anger. It was always just anger was the only safe one. Everything else was overlooked or you were told you were wrong. Totally. Well, and, and I just wanted to pull this up because I, 
um, as you're talking, I'm like, this is, this is the key is that like, I think that there are special relationships in that they are become our biggest teachers. Cause we don't really know, like if we're alone, it's like any cell, it just bounces off itself, right? There's and no mirror. Yeah. It's not until we actually bounce it off someone else that we can see what is coming up for us. But then there's something in physics that is called the observer effect, right? Ooh. It's like this extremely powerful piece that, um, that they have shown. Okay, where is this? The very fact that there is an observer changes the outcome of an event or experiment. So it's like as soon as we, right, as soon as we're alone and we're like, okay, yes, I'm healed. I'm spiritual. (laughs) Till someone triggers me. (laughs) I am like all things humanly, you know, Mother Teresa. And then someone enters your (laughs) space and is like, I don't know. You just get that trigger from childhood of jealousy or of envy or whatever it is that comes up and all of a sudden you're like I'm an animal I'm a wild right person. yes <laughs> but I'm I think an that's animal. Where, like when we get that observer effect when someone else can witness us in healing that because we still have to do the work on our own to heal it yeah but when someone can witness us in mm-hmm. healing it and that might be our partner and it might yeah. be a best friend and it yeah. might be a, a an animal like honestly it might be yeah. something else but we all need these different relationships at certain times in order to do that and to, to admire us. That was the biggest thing that my mentor was, was she had like the kindest eyes. She was a gruff woman. She could tell you like, you're being a shit, but she would look <laughs> at you with these eyes that were like the epitome of grace. And when I would be going through stuff, she would role play stuff for me and I'd be going through like the wretched. And then she would just look at me with that grace. And that's the moment that healing occurs right and so if you have someone if you have a partner that is the the sweetest thing in the world if you have a sister if you have a best friend who's willing to like witness that really like uncomfortable guck like that's that's how we truly I think evolve and willing to hear you out of your humanness right like I think so many times we think oh, relationships should be easy or they're not meant for us. And it's like, actually, no, it's how much space can I hold for this person? And how much room can I give them to be? And how safe can I let them feel to be who they are? And I saw uh, like TikTok or maybe some other really uh, notable thing, (laughs) but they're usually TikToks nowadays. But I saw a TikTok where a man said, if you can hold space for a woman in her wildness, in her uh, high energy, then you have her attention, you have her love. And I 100% agree with that. It's like, if you can hold space for me and let me come to my own understanding of what's happening inside of me, because a lot of times I don't know, and I'm just triggered, right? Like we, we say we're trying so hard to not trigger people nowadays that it's not allowing these people the opportunity to heal. We're bypassing and missing so many opportunities to heal and being triggered means that there is something screaming to be seen. Mm -hmm. And then if we quickly tuck it away and push everything away from it, that will trigger it. We're, we're completely bypassing what our body's asking us to do is how I kind of see what happens with me. And I I've had people not be able to hold space for me and there's nothing more devastating to spirit, human spirit than being rejected in that way. That is our, our, 
our core wound is the fear of rejection because rejection means death. Totally, totally an abandonment. Like, will you leave me if I if I show too much or too much of this. And I knew it, right? Like you show it and then they leave and it's like, oh, I knew it. I knew I can't show that. And then we hide. (laughs) Yeah, we hide who we are so that we don't get rejected. And then we never truly connect anyone because we're looking from behind a screen. Totally. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. In our (laughs) world, that's like a literal thing. Literal, yeah. And uh, to me, I think... So I was so curious to find out what you're doing because I knew you would do it better (laughs) and more different than anyone I've ever heard because I think each step you take is sacred. There is, I just can't see you, even in your missteps, they're still sacred. And I knew that you would bring that into your weddings. And of course, you would bring being a death doula into your weddings because it is. Yeah, it is. Thank you. That means the world to me. And I mean, like, there's an element of it where if you're doing weddings in BC, you have to have like a ministry. Um, And they call it like it can be anything. It can be, it can be literally in these days, it's like your email list or your social media even. And so I have thought about this so many times, but like how how there can be these sacred temples on every corner. How can we have these moments where it's like, we're all being a part of like this moving kind of ministry together. And my son and I went to this wilderness camp, family camp in Salt Spring Island. And there was a grief tent and we went into the grief tent and it was like a place where anybody could come to grieve, just to be sad, just a place to be like, ah, like life sucks, whatever you wanted. It was all there. There was Kleenex. It was like set up. The container was set up. So you walked in and you could fall to your knees Mm -hmm. and be held in that. And I saw it like grown men just falling to their knees and it, it, it reverberated in me that we just need like a ministry of love on every corner and, and, and that grieving and, and letting ourselves change for love is like, again, I'm such like a revolutionary soul I'm just like this is activism in our world that wants us to Mm -hmm. be focused on our money and our houses and our you know and and what are we going to get for the next thing it's like to come into a space where I can hold a tiny little ministry over in my corner of my life like you said it's it can be so big to just say I'm going to do I'm going to do this so so yeah so now wild breath becomes like a ministry of, I call it of lion-hearted love. The lion-hearted piece yeah. came to me this summer in such a huge way um, because I feel like it's, you know, being not just the soft, gentle kind, but it's like someone who shows up and is like, gives you a pep talk. It's like, I love you. Yeah. And you're allowed to be everything you want to be. You're allowed to fall apart. You're allowed to be messy. Like we all just need someone to be like, I'm here for you. I love you. Lion hearted. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's just the lion hearted ministry. <laughs> I remember when you put that out there, I was like, oh yes. And I like immediately conjured up imagery of lionesses and how they get to be mothers and how they get to be ferocious predators. And I just, I fully want to be that. I want to, I want all aspects of myself to be accepted where I am nurturing and I also am angry sometimes. Yes, totally. <laughs> all of this, all of me is welcome here. 
And I, I know, I knew that that was going to be a part of my path when I first started studying uh, yoga nidra. And in the beginning of a practice, she said, and and I say it too because it was so powerful to me. But she said, "All of you is welcome here. You are so welcome here." And I was like, "That, that right there, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to have to hide." I don't want to, uh, yeah, I'm messy. Sometimes I don't understand. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'll say the wrong thing. I'll have a bad opinion. But at the root of who I am, the essence of who I am is a real heart that just is dying to connect, to be seen. And I love the imagery of a lioness because she's all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. They know when to just like play and have fun. And then they also know when to hunt and be, you know, like on alert and strong. And I think that around the world right now, we're moving into a time where we need a lot of lionhearted women, especially to show up in that, that fierceness and uh, Mm -hmm. let the, let the ferocity be like sacred and with love. Yeah. A lot of trust around that. Right. Cause I think we have, we have worked harder, we have shown up more, but we are in a state of defensiveness. So at the beginning, when you said your safety is in your defenselessness, tying that all back in is women have been so defensive, so protective for so long, but now the acts of sacredness are in can I trust this person to hold me? Can I trust myself enough to be held? Can I give them space to fully see me? It's a lot. It's a <laughs> lot. Most women are conditioned to do the exact opposite. It's yeah. not safe to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. And the work that you do is really important. We know that yeah. so deeply through some knowing the people in the priestess path, but having those communities where women can like lay down, I see it as like laying down the sword, you know, and being yeah. like on the, on the sheepskin or whatever it is. And it's like, I'm, I'm here to be soft and be on, be on like my belly up. You think of whenever an animal puts their belly up to me, I'm like, I'm the luckiest person in the world that this animal thinks that I am so safe that they will actually go belly up. Like my yeah. cat, I'm just like, how incredible of a gift. She thinks that I'm safe enough to expose her underbelly. And if we can get places where we can all do that to each other, which is hard. It's a goal. (laughs) Belly's up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thanks so much, Tamara, for joining me. I am, if I do get married, (laughs) You'll be my first call. That's for sure. <laughs> I was I was thinking about Sky um, does want to get married. I have my own reservations around it. But I had said to someone, I was like, if I do, it's going to be you. So, oh my gosh, that's the <laughs> biggest honor. And and you know, I will also say there is definitely yeah, there's a shift too about around the constraints that we have. So like what getting married legally means or just getting married on a spiritual energetic level. We are moving into new territory, I think, over the next few years around that because, yeah, because there's good reason to question some of the the legalities of it all, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some some of the places you have to pay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like a lot of that doesn't make a ton of a ton of sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Where can people find you? Um, So for all of the the Lionhearted Love, it's over at Wild Breath. 
marriagemarriage.ca. And I am working right now on um, a self-marriage kind of thing that I, I hope to have where my brides and grooms or brides and brides and grooms and grooms can go through it before they have a wedding with mm. me. There's like this plan to bring out like the hieros gamos in people, the sacred marriage that is in us all that is the wow. masculine and feminine first. Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of in the midst of developing that through that website, but it is there right now, just kind of as a placeholder of me and, and I do a lot of writing and that kind of thing that's there. So Mm. I think anything that kind of breaks us from our programming of we do what we always did and, and always saw, that is, <laughs> that's going to serve yeah. us. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, well, we'll let you go from here. I know you're super busy. And thanks again for joining me. Thank you all for joining us. Peace in, peace out.